Want to welcome back to another pack tonight. I didn't pack that kick. We should be slept so nice. Three, I'm your host, Daddy Three. Why is this on third? Nice talent. Ah, the lovely Miss Nina Taylor and Kendrick Bullet. Lovely Miss Nina Taylor, please shout out to the people. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you. And Kendrick Bullet, please shout out to the people. It's certainly a pleasure to be here with you guys all the time. Uh, thank you for inviting me, and thank you for your platform. Thank you for sharing the love that we embrace with each other. Nothing but love, nothing but love. You know, if it don't flow, let it go. But that's not tonight's topic. Tonight's topic is social skills needed to make intelligent choices. There have been considerable times when we have taught children to say no. No to friends who engage in behavior we don't like that cause harm or embarrassment to our children or ourselves. Some young people choose to maintain friendships at the expense of their core values and ethics. You know, raising teens includes helping them develop the skills to be clear about their values while still interacting with people who may have different needs and wants and desires. We want our children to have expressive and healthy relationships in personal and school settings throughout their educational development. So we prepare them for this when we are in their conversations. And we do this in a loving way, in a supportive way, and through transparency, and through inner relationships with our children and and outside our homes. Nevertheless, adolescents is a time when our teens expand their relationships beyond our homes. Furthermore, this is a critical, a critical developmental step towards becoming an independent adult as teens navigate peer culture. Parents play an essential role in preparing them with the social skills necessary to make their own intelligent choices with or without their parents being around so that they can avoid those negative peer pressures. Tonight, we're gonna have a discussion about the social skills necessary to make intelligent choices. I wanna pull first from the lovely Miss Nina Taylor. And you know, Nina, you are a mentor. You are many things. Uh, Please tell the listening audience you know, a little bit about what you're going, uh, what you're doing, where you're going, and which, what projects you got uh, in the works right now. Because every time we bring you on, you got something new going on, and I'm so proud of you. <laughs> uh, but you please tell us, tell us what you got going on now. Okay, you're right. Like a week later, you know, things change. Um, just currently expanding my radio show. Uh, since we last spoke, it is on 11 more radio stations um, here in the U.S. Uh, and also, we are in Australia now, so I'm just so excited about that. I don't know how, I got an email from the Australian station saying that they would love to add the gospel news to uh, their programming. And I, I don't ask people, how did you know about me or the gospel news i just say thank you and i thank the lord and i just keep it moving but uh so we're currently expanding uh the gospel news even more 
and my uh, international show, The Gospel Express. Just working on expanding that right now where I have a little bit of downtime. You know, school is out, although I am doing summer school, but that's just five hours a day. And, you know, you pretty much have the rest of the day to work on other things. But I said this summer that that was going to be my main project was expanding that and also promoting my book. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, people, before they can comprehend, they must apprehend. And before you can apprehend, you got to explore in order to explore, you need participation, right? And so these are these are the, the factors that, that are necessary uh, when we have conversations like the one tonight. Uh, because I believe tonight's going to be a night, there's going to be some laughter in tonight because everyone on the panel, we, we like one another. You know, I think that's important. <laughs> Work with people that you like and people that you respect. Uh, in their profession and, and people that you admire and people that you support, right? And so I support you uh, and I congratulate you uh, for your work that's being carried on to Australia, aka Down Under, and that they are hearing your voice, uh, you know, on the wind, on, across the seas, and uh, in the four corners of, uh, of this planet. And so I have to acknowledge you and you keep doing uh, the great job that you are doing. Uh, with that being said, let me ask you a, a question, and this is, I guess, I want to prompt you for this uh, question in a way that uh, I want you to walk, let us walk with you. Uh, if we were to walk with you uh, on a journey, as you explain and uh, unpack this question that I'm about to ask you, um, you know, how would you talk to a person who is, is pressuring you and how would you let him or her know how it makes you feel without basically going off or, or, or letting them <laughs> set you off? <laughs> you know, that's my question, because in your field, you know, there could be a commonality. And so kind of walk, let us walk with you as you uh, express to us your, the way you navigate through that system. Radio is the entertainment business, and within that business, there is a lot of pressure from a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons. Um, my dad, the late James Reed, um, always told us, if you're going to make a mistake, let it be your mistake, not something that someone talked you into. You know, make your own mistakes and learn from them. He said, don't, you know, he'd always say, use your own mind. You know, things like that. He was always trying to teach us to be intelligent and not, you know, go through a lot of the things that he saw as he was growing up. So he would always talk to us about things like that. So I've always felt like, you know, you, you really can't talk me into anything. Most of the time when I'm going to, I've done things, I've already known myself and that's probably most women, that it was going to happen. So you can't really talk me into anything. And I hate it when someone does try to do that, uh, try to apply pressure. And it's the same thing I told my son. You know, don't let people pressure you into doing anything that you feel. If you feel uncomfortable, then obviously it's not right for you. If it feels funny or you feel like, no, maybe I shouldn't do this, don't let anybody talk you into doing anything that feels funny. Use your own mind. Listen to your own heart. Listen to your own voice and say, is this right for me? Should I be doing this? Or 
Should I just say no? And it's okay to say no. And it's the same thing I say to my students. You know, it's okay to say no. You don't have to do everything that everybody wants you to do. If you don't want to play with them, say no. I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. Use your own mind. Use your own judgment. You know, it happens a lot, especially when young people are off, say, to college. It's the first time, and I was just talking about this earlier to someone. It's their first time being out on their own with no one telling them which direction to go to. There could be a lot of pressure in that situation. But what you, you know, you, this is when you find out if what you've been teaching them or what you've been putting into them since the day they came into this earth, if it works. You know, this is when you find out. The first time they're away from you, that's when you're going to find out if they've got their own mind or if they just got into every little thing that there is as soon as they got away from your influence. We were just talking about this today. <laughs> That's wow. You know, the, the way I asked you that question, the way you gave it back to me, it was like you didn't, you didn't give me the meaning of the question. You gave me the usage and you made it applicable. How how someone would teach someone how to apply a method instead of just telling them the answer. I, I like your approach uh, to a very, I think, a complex question, though communication is basic, right, if you really look at it, and, and, and how we interrelate to one another every day. You know, it's the thing of development because as child, as, as children, as babies, we, 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 we cry, right, and that's how we communicate it to say, hey, we want some kind of attention, right? Or I'm, I'm hungry, or uh, I've used the bathroom. And then as we as we get out of the cradle, we begin to communicate in different other ways, uh, even in our language. And, and I like the way you, you took a, a complex question and you processed it. And um, to me, you, you have to see how building uh, a report is a complex process, but it's, it could be basically um, administered if we if we take it for what it is and, and don't think too hard about it. So it's it's like I, I feel like when we are when we when we make choices under pressure, it, it's because we are afraid of rejection. We're we're afraid of what would happen to a potential relationship, right? Uh, we won't be in the clique. We won't be in the in crowd. And so what you said is very important about not letting people pressure you into making, you know, uh, rush decisions. I, I love that, how you, how you already know what you're going to say in most cases before you say it. I, I like that. I, I want to kind of bring in, um, I want to bring in Kendrick Bullard. I want to bring in Kendrick Bullard uh, to this conversation. Uh, but before I do, uh, KB, go ahead and say please hello to the people and and tell us what you're currently doing uh, as well, sir. Well, currently, I just need to say I love you guys because, and I am not going to take it back. Uh, but the other piece is I'm working uh, with your foundation, doing some work on the IT side, the financial side, uh, doing work with the local communities, helping understand how, how to manage and set up renewable energy systems. Uh, that's what most of my expertise is all about. Of course, I dealt with IT in the military. Uh, but for me, it's about being able to know, you know who I am as an individual. Now, I have two sons. One's my nephew. 
And then I have a 25-year-old son who's an engineer as well. He just got his first new job. And all these things I'm, re I'm relating to uh, simply because as a father, that job never stopped for both of my sons. But what happens is, you know, sometimes people try to tell you no, especially when you have educators who you know uh, may not understand the whole sum of the game or even the goals of how to achieve high capacity learning for kids. And so I was told for many years not to teach my son quantum physics. And I ended up teaching my son quantum physics at what, 13 years, 12, 13 to 14 years of age. But what I try to get him to understand is that he had ethical, uh, uh, I say, he had more of a, I had to kind of teach him around the ethical responsibilities of being an engineer and of understanding that he has a whole lot more to give the world than they may have at that point. But at some point, he had to get to the point where he has been able to respect people and understand his gifts and how it applies on the ethical side, not so much on the money. Luckily, I've been blessed to be able to see both of my uh, sons gravitate in those fields. But we got to remember one thing for me. It's about being able to take away the fear in both of them and know that they have, I've got their back as long as they don't use that fear and that I didn't use that fear as a scapegoat for allowing kids to do great things. Uh, that's just one way that I use to, to channel, you know, the greatness for everybody that I deal with. I figure out where they are, meet them where they are, and then be able to take them further than they ever wanted to go just by getting them to talk to themselves. Uh, I, do th I do some of that work with homeless people. I look for their internal, uh, I look for their internal desire, get them to help them get them to say out loud. It's okay, talk to God, talk to whoever you want. At some point, we're gonna have to be able to have those challenging talks. But it's, but the gift of not having the fear is probably the best thing that anybody can ever give you. Because uh, once you let go of the fear, everything else, uh, the world is limitless. That was on a higher level of consciousness. You know, you talked about going on a journey without having fear. Fear abbreviated false evidence appearing real, but you journey to a land you've never been to, and you're bold, and you're courageous, and you're resilient, and you're confident and you're a warrior, and you are a king, and oh, I love it, it's priestly, it's rich. Let me ask you a question. What was interesting about the question I asked the lovely Miss Lena Taylor as it relates to, you know, how do you talk to people that are pressuring you to make a decision that you necessarily don't want to make? What was interesting about that question that 
for you. KD, who's interesting about that question for you? I give you what's interesting to me in an example that took place with me. I knew I wanted to major in engineering. Uh, I was in college. I was running track. I was playing football. That Those were two full-time jobs. Then I was in our own TC program at Arkansas State. A beautiful man. I was just that. I got kicked out of the football team because they said I could have made more money. And the fact that uh, they asked me to change my major twice uh, pushed me aside from making the decision from, from doing what I really wanted to do, which was have an engineering degree. And I also wanted to be able to play professional football and, and run professional track. Uh, I didn't, I qualified for the Olympic trials, like I said before. But I still made it to the NFL. Now, it was frustrating to me, but once I was able to let go of the fear, four months later, a beautiful man told me, uh, one of my coaches, hey, we got your back. I don't understand why uh, you're frustrated anyway. You should have known something, I mean, something good was going to happen for you anyway. I have a scholarship for you. Full-time scholarship, a full scholarship that we, uh, that I had structured, you know, when all this went on for, for probably four and a half, maybe even five months earlier than all the drama had taken place. But through that frustration, I was able to understand that you can't start your journey. I'm sorry, nobody else can stop you. I'm, I do apologize. I can stop my journey but nobody else can stop my journey. And that's what he was able to understand. So here we are, two years later, I graduate from the University of Arkansas, with, I mean, the Arkansas State with an engineering degree. And I still had a chance to play professional football two years later because I was so much faster than I would have been if I had taken, taken the opportunity to just play professional football. And I still qualify for those Olympic trials. And I tell everybody every day, if it hadn't been for me to be able to kind of let go of the fear uh, of knowing, the fear of knowing of what the coaches told me to do versus following my own intuition. And that's all we got to do. Nothing's hard. It's only hard when we think it's hard. But the fear is a repressive state. Our natural state is to be to be fearless and limitless. I, fear is not even a really good word. Just be loving. Love what you do. Stay in your lane when it comes. Stay in your lane when we make those types of decisions for ourselves. And it's okay to outrun somebody else. Just don't believe you as competition for the other person. The competition comes in when you're, when you're dealing with yourself. Any other competition is false. That was so good. Oh, that was so good. Let me let me go back to Neil Taylor. Neil, you, you mentioned your father, James Reed. And he said something that stuck out about him. And I had to I had to chew on it for a little bit. And as, as I chewed on it, I I asked a question within that question. So I guess it's a sub question. And I want to, I want you to answer this question. And the question is, and this is going to be so good as far as social skills needed 
to make intelligent choices. Okay. How do you how do you deal with mistakes? How do you deal with mistakes, especially in your profession? How do you deal with mistakes? Well, in my profession, a mistake, you know, when it happens, there's nothing you can do. You can't go back in time and erase. You got to just keep it moving. You really do have to keep it moving. You can't say, oh, I'm sorry, y'all, I made a mistake. I didn't mean to say that. I meant to say this. Because then this is how they train you. Just keep going no matter what. And this is where your professionalism comes in. You know, if something happens, you just keep going. How close were people paying attention? Now, if you stop and explain that I just messed up, then you bring more attention to the thing. But I think keep it moving. You make a mistake. Okay. Why did that mistake happen? You know, we'll, we'll revisit it after it's over. But at this moment, I got to keep going. I got to keep on the path that I'm heading on right now. I can't just stop and say, oh, why did that happen and explain it and all that. No, that's, that's not what that business, this business is about keeping it going. <laughs> you know, what's, going what's next? What's next? What's next? And that's what has to be in your mind when you make that kind of mistake. But in life, you know, it's the same thing in your regular life. I make mistakes. I got to learn something from it so I don't do it again. And as you get become an adult, you do. You say, you know what? That was dumb. I'm not going to ever do that again. And you don't do it again because you realize it was a mistake. And sometimes we know we're making mistakes while we're doing it. We say, you know, this is just so wrong. I don't know why I'm doing this. But guess what? I'm not going to ever do it again. <laughs> I, I love the answer. Today we, we were talking about Stephen Curry and how this guy can shoot three-pointer anywhere. And they said the reason why he's so good is because of repetition. How he, growing up, he constantly shot that ball, he shot that ball. And the conversation started from a musical standpoint. When we were talking about music, we were talking about classical uh, piano players, pianists, how, how they practice for hours and hours on one scale, how they would practice on like a C scale for like four to six hours a day just on that scale. So when it's performance time, they would make mistakes. And if they did make a mistake, they could cover it up almost seamlessly without anyone knowing it but themselves. Not even the teacher would know that they made a mistake. And it could have been something as simple as fingering, right? But repetition, like you say, keeping it moving, to me that's repetition. When you're playing the scale and you're playing them in all of those different um, circles or keys, however you want to call it, or, or if, you're on the, if you're on the football field, and, and you running the ball up and down the field in different directions, and you going running through different plays throughout the playbook, and it's repetition, it's repetition, it's repetition. And if if you're bored running the repetition from the playbook, then maybe that's not for you. Maybe that's not your gift. It, 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 I think there is a, a higher level of consciousness, because I know I'm about to pull KB back here. I know there's a, a higher level of consciousness when you start repeating things and, and your body becomes in sync and becomes one. 
what whatever artistry or action that you're doing. You could be on the microphone speaking. You could be on the talk show like we're on now. You could be on, on, on a radio show. You could be on a television show. And because you've done it so many times, the repetition, you don't need anything. You can just go for broke. You don't need a script. You don't need any prompts. All you need is to be in front of the mic, in front of the people, and it just happens. I've seen preachers do this. And it just happens because you become one with your art. Uh, I've seen musicians like Prince, musicians like Michael Jackson, just at just a drop of a dime, they can perform and make grown men cry out, Michael, anyway, and stuff. But let me let me go to <laughs> let me go back to let me go back to KB. I'm, let me ask you a question. Uh, the lovely Miss Taylor, ladies and gentlemen, just wonderful, wonderful. Uh, KB, let me ask you a question. Uh, did you have a secret code that you used to communicate with your sons, uh, you know, as they were growing up? I know, I know, the oldest is twenty-five now, but was there was there some type of code language that you had with them? Uh, some secret language that you had where they know, like, hey, you know, I better not do that. You know, Dad's gonna do this or whatever, or you know. Uh, congratulations, son. You know, this is a code uh, to communicate a certain expression that I want to give to you. Could you share with us, did you have a secret code that you used to communicate with your child? Well, uh, a secret code, not so much the actual physical secret code, but once I was able to understand what the, what the root level of things that were helping me to attack. That, that's what really made me be a wonderful dad. Now, the good thing is, I don't believe in mistakes. I believe mistakes are just an opportunity for all of us to be able to do something different or do the same thing and be grateful at it, be grateful and great at it. But, you know, going back to your original question, uh, compassion is what I had. And once I started to operate within my heart, life started to really unfold for me in a lot of different ways because I was able to help. I was, I was a, uh, I, I was a, a kind of a, uh, I, I'm trying to think I'm not a bad, but uh, I was a limited father. But one, because I didn't understand how I should have been able to apply that level of compassion. It was overwhelming for me to be able to understand it. But it was, uh, it was always, my, my sons have always known me to be this compassionate person. And I was lucky enough to be able to learn from those opportunities, i.e. mistakes that you guys called, uh, uh, named earlier, uh, that I was able to be a better father before they got old enough to remember. I spanked my son five times and it was five times too many. And he only remembers one time. But the fact is, I was able to, to understand how that level of compassion could have been, had been applied to my son. And I still tell both of them on the regular basis every day. I probably call them too much, which is a wonderful thing for me. That's a badge of honor. But at, at the end of the day, the code for me is being able to tap into your heart and your head at the same time. 
Because once I started to understand how, how those systems really work together, we're taught that our systems work back or work differently than what they really do. The heart controls the head, and then the head had a bunch of different calculations. But once I started to understand that, from a, for just from the level of being able to access the information uh, that I was able to acquire to be a better father, that compassion of feeling, you can call it a cold word, I don't mind saying it. Uh, I love the fact that I'm a compassionate person, but, and, and it is a superpower, but that's the superpower that allows us uh, to be able to, to understand each other. Uh, so I, uh, I hope I got all the information out, of, out to you, but just know compassion is the, the buzzword. It's not just the buzzword. It's, it's, a, it's a level of excitement. It's a level of excitement and, and a superpower of some sort for all of us. Incredible. Incredible. Let me throw this out there. Could someone describe to the listening audience, how do you manage friends who do not have the same similar values or core values and the same beliefs that you have? But they're generally good people. You enjoy their friendship. You just don't, you can only go so far with them. Could someone describe to us how you manage or how people can manage? Give us some ways to manage that relationship. Well, I can give a, a, an example of something that happened not last year. I think it was in 2019 where most of my friends, we're pretty much all the same. We all know each other from a wonderful HBCU here in Ohio. And we've been friends for, you know, over 30 years. So I had some new friends that I met, you know, along the way. Uh, one in particular, you know, she didn't, you know, not saying that she's dumb or anything, but she didn't go to college. She kind of had children like really young, you know, none of us did. Um, she's never been married. She has like four or five kids. I don't even know how many, but I invited her to come out with us and she spent the entire evening uh, complaining about her life and, you know, we were out, it was just a bunch of girls having a good time. We all work a lot. Some of us work two jobs and it was just one of those nights where we just wanted to just go out, have fun and being with, being each other's company. And she spent the entire evening, everybody she sat next to, she just kind of filled their ear up with, oh, I got this drama, that drama, my baby daddy this, and my son's father that, and it was just driving everybody nuts. And they all called me, um, <laughs> called or text me after the evening was over and said, do not ever bring her again, ever. Ever. They said, don't ever bring her. They said, she was just complaining, going on and on. And I said, you know, I, you know, she has a lot of things going on. And maybe she thought that she could talk to you. That's why, you know, she was doing that. She wasn't trying to hurt you or ruin your evening. That maybe she felt like she could talk to you. Or like, we were a great bunch of girls and maybe I can talk to them and 
and maybe they can help me. I said, maybe that's what she was thinking. She wasn't trying to ruin your evening, but I'm, I'm so sorry. I will not invite her again if it makes everybody so uncomfortable. But it just made me see, you know, just how different uh, some of us are. You know, all of us pretty much, our, our backgrounds are pretty much the same. We grew up in the inner city. We went to school. We didn't, you know, have babies early or anything like that. Some of them don't have any at all. I think only two of us even have any at all. <laughs> and they, uh, you know, just, just see how we're the same, but we're, we're different, how our backgrounds are different and how it can make some people uncomfortable. So uh, they had talked about doing something else um, while we were at that particular meeting. And she, she heard them saying, yeah, yeah, we're all going to go. So she asked me about it. She said, are y'all still going? No, are we still going? You know, is everybody still going? And, and I just told her that, um, nah, they, they canceled it, which wasn't true. I didn't want to, you know, hurt her feelings and say they didn't want you to come. <laughs> so I just told her that uh, they decided not to do it. I said they were saying, it, you know, it cost too much or something. You know, I just made some excuse. But it, it's difficult. Um, you really do have to surround yourself with like-minded people else it can cause some discomfort sometimes and not that the person is trying to be but you know you're different and we're all different and sometimes it can it can be an issue with some people now that was transparent that was transparent thank you for sharing this story we have touched on a very sensitive topic but a good topic yeah. a good topic and um, I want, because we, we're out of time, but I would like one of you guys or both of you guys, it doesn't matter, to share a personal story about a time where you had to make a life or death choice that was under a lot of pressure from your friends. And you had to make that choice in a split second and you had to make the right choice because if you hadn't, you wouldn't be here tonight on this podcast, on this talk show, talking about this conversation. Who wants to go first? Well, I can go first again. Um, it was maybe back in the early 2000s, we had all uh, went to a comedy show. And... You know, when you're in, it is a club, you know, it's a comedy club and they sell alcohol and all that. And we were all kind of drinking. And if you don't really drink a lot, you can like drink a little bit and it can go straight to your head. And which is the case with us. We don't really drink that much. So one could actually do win. So I felt kind of weird about it because I said, I know I wasn't feeling very well. Um, so I said, you know what, let's leave the car here and let's take a cab. We had drove, um, one person drove and everybody was saying, well, I can't drive, you know, let me to drive. You only had one. And I didn't even feel good from the one. And I said, let's leave the car here <laughs> and come back and get it tomorrow. Let's just take a cab back to my place because that's where everybody had parked the cars. And everybody's like, no, nah, we ain't had that much. And everybody was kind of contemplating on who was the lesser drunk of all of us. 
And I said, no, 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 no. Somebody's got to be the mother sometime. And I said, no. So I called a, a cab and we did. We left the uh, we left the car there. And I was just very, you know, I just felt uneasy about it because I know I didn't feel like driving. And they were, like I said, they all had way more than me. <laughs> I said, let's just not even do this. Let's call. And that's why I said, never again. If I go out like that, I will never, ever drink again because that was uh, dangerous. It could have been a potentially dangerous situation, especially, like I said, if you're not used to that. You know, some people, they can drink all night and they can get in the car and you never know it, you know. But those who don't do it that much, you know, it can it can have some very negative uh, consequences and maybe even, uh, like you said, could have could have ended very, very wrong. Let me, let me say this, yesterday I was having a homeless gentleman. I, I actually leave food in here, in the, uh, canned food, so these homeless gentlemen can actually, uh, short story, so they can, you know, get food when I'm not here. One of the homeless gentlemen happened to go by my neighbor's house. He was uh, probably inebriated from something. Uh, he saw my neighbor's leaves. What I did is just kind of met him where he was, talked to him for a second, tried to find out what was going on, if he needed some money for whatever he needed to do, you know, I could help him. Now the struggle for me, it wasn't a life or death situation for me, but I saw my neighbors start walking back up and my neighbors are Hispanic, so I can speak a little bit of Spanish and they're still coaching me. Uh, but the other thing is, like I said, I just grabbed a homeless gentleman and said, hey, look, I saw you coming out, just wanted to make certain that everything was okay with you. I don't know where you're going. I do have my glasses on. I'm an old guy right now. I need to know uh, what's going on. If you need something, I'll help you out. I got food here and everything. So as he came up, I said, as my neighbors were getting closer, he, I said, look, I, I know you didn't take anything. I don't think you're that type of brother, but uh, just, do me a favor and allow them, just tell them what, what's going on with you if you don't mind. And what that'll do is that'll help us all. Cause if I tell them, I don't wanna tell them the wrong, wrong thing. Uh, so anyway, he just admitted that he was over there. He probably shouldn't have been over there. He did admit that, but he said he wasn't doing anything wrong. Those are some of the struggles that I deal with on a daily basis because beautiful people, who he's pushed away uh, typically don't get the opportunity to be able to regain their livelihood. But these are things that people want me to stay away from. Now, am I going to do it now? I, because of the army and other things that I've done, and because of the um, my experience, I've pushed those fears away. And the big thing for me, the big. Uh, I think the big takeaway and the big learning for me is to be able to meet everybody where they are and allow them some space to talk to each other so that, no, number one, the homeless people knew, the homeless gentleman knew I had his back, but also the neighbors also knew that, that I had his back. And, and he ended up giving him $10 and I ended up giving him more food. But those are things we can do things about immediately. And that, comes from fear. Now, once I'm able to get them and look deep inside and figure out where they want to go with whatever questioning is taking place, 
it makes it easier for them to be able to say and do the things that they want to do instead of us pushing them away all the time like we typically do. Look, this was another impactful night of Impact Education Leadership. This was episode 93. Our panelists tonight were the lovely Miss Mina Taylor and Kendrick Bullard. Good night.